Good afternoon. Are you all ready for some supply chain agility out there? <laughs> We're going to be talking about supply chain agility and how that capability can be acquired through digital capabilities. Eldefonso, thank you so much for joining me with this. Thanks for inviting me here, Matt. Eldefonso Silva is Executive Vice President at Tyson Foods here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, he had a long career with McKenzie, and, um, and he was a partner at McKenzie. So um, uh, it's great to have you. So, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention before we got into the details mm -hmm. of this uh, was, um, you know, if you look at the amount of venture capital investment in supply chain technology, say from, say, 2016 to 2019, 2021, it was double that average. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one measure. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, some of you may be familiar with New Road Capital Partners. They're a fund here in Northwest Arkansas. And they've really shifted towards lots of investment in logistics and supply chain technology. But, but Eldefonso, uh, you know, it's funny if you think back to the dot-com era, mm. there were lots of promises. Some weren't fulfilled, some were fulfilled. Um, but now it does seem like things are a bit different in a lot of ways. And uh, I'd love to hear your view on to what degree can these technologies make capabilities that we were dreaming about in the past uh, a reality now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there are a couple of things. I, I think that first, I believe that we are in the beginning of a journey. It's an exciting journey. Uh, feels a lot more real now than it was in the past uh, for a couple of reasons. First, of course, there's more computing power available. Data availability has increased. So as, as you think about that, it almost becomes like a snowball, right? I have more data, now I can do more things with that. Once I do my things with that, I generate more data. And, and suddenly the ability to optimize and operate in a different way starts taking shape. And I think I see that in two dimensions, right? One is first doing what we already do a little better or a lot better. Think about, you know, everybody does a forecast at some point in time. Everybody does a deployment plan at some point in time uh, for their products. And technology is now enabling better ways to think about forecasting, machine learning, artificial intelligence, new sources of information, allowing us to do that better. So forecasts become more accurate, plans become of a higher quality, which of course in turn translate into benefits for the entire supply chain. There's a second element to it, which is in my mind, when you start changing the processes because you have technology that operates in a different way, so instead of just thinking of having a better forecast, now we can help or the machines can help us, uh, you know, really understand when reality is different from the plan, how do we react to it? So we react faster, we react uh, without uh, overtaxing the employees, right? And we react in a way that's more precise. And I think that when I look at the technology and you just look, you made the example of a private equity, but just look at this conference, and how vibrant it is, the new players coming in, the new offerings. I think that it all comes together in this picture that I think that we are now at a point that it's a journey that's starting, but starting in a very promising way, I believe. Yeah, you and I have talked before about this, but the variety of data that's available is so much broader than it used to be. You know, it used to be that, for example, with forecasting, a lot of times we were just using 
sales data to forecast more sales data or order data to forecast sales data or the reverse. Mm -hmm. And, um, but now we've got a lot more variety of data and there are simple models that can use a variety of data. Um, but, uh, and, and of course, we've, we've got lots of, of information. The challenge is using it in a way that, that makes sense. But do you think that not only we can um, have more agility through some of the technologies, but in how we plan? Can we, can we use the technologies and the information to drive more agility in our plan? Yes. And, 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 and again, I think it touches in two moments, right? First, when you think you have more data, but we're still the same human beings, right? So sometimes having more, more data just means that you have more confusion because you have more places to look at and not necessarily uh, translating that into a better quality of action. I think that technology now, if you think about forecasting, for example, uh, you, can, you, can, you can overlay as many variables as you want, but if you're still relying on the human judgment to say which mm. variables apply you get one cer certain quality of forecast. Forecast has some quality. The truth is, you know, there are technologies today that helps us understand which variables really matter before you actually start forecasting. And that, of course, increases ac accuracy, reduces the amount of time that it takes to really figure those things out. So to a certain extent, a technology is helping take the noise out of the planning, just helping human beings seeing the information that really matters. And on the agility part that we discussed in the prior, prior question, I think that there, there are other things which are interesting, right? The, the truth is the plan and the reality are always different. I mean, I'm not talking anything new here to this group. So the question is always, how do you better react when reality is different? When you thought you're gonna sell a certain amount, but you sold more or you sold less? You thought you were going to get a certain product, but suddenly you didn't get that, that product either from a plant or from a, or from a port. And as a result, you need to make a decision. What do you do with that? I, I believe that, you know, what's happening now with technology is you are able to really just act on the differences that matter because the machine can actually, you know, point to you which of those variations, which of those deviations from the plan can actually be material and actually sometimes recommend what to do. And I believe that what, something we're seeing right now, and I believe it's, it's going to become more common, is once the machine starts recommending consistently better than the regular human being, and at the same time with fewer risks, right, uh, I, I believe that then you can have a path for even automating some of these, some of these actions. And I talk about risk because I think it's important. You, you want to you wanna see, for example, if you take a simple Excel sheet, probably you would have 50% of the SKUs of any forecast. Uh, an Excel sheet probably gets better than your regular salesperson. 50% still doesn't get, so you mm -hmm. still need human beings interacting with that. I think that once you start putting more information, that thing narrows. But the truth is, you also want the human beings to interact when something really wrong can happen. Because if you let the machines make judgments on their own, on its own, and suddenly there is a massive error, be it you shipped a product that wasn't supposed to be shipped, or there's some glitch in, in the logic that allow, allows some products to be produced when they shouldn't have been produced, that generates a little bit of mistrust in the process. And that creates a lot of issues when you're trying to implement that. I think that the interesting part in my mind is 
once the machine is better and has fewer risks, then you can actually say, okay, I can, I can trust the machine now and now I can focus a human being on, on what really matters, which will, will be less transactional in nature and more, uh, I don't know, more on really planning and discussing the business decisions that the machine will take a long time to get there. You know, that's a good point because I, I think about um, there's, there's a lot of uh, solutions out there that are claiming to, for example, be able to forecast using machine learning or artificial intelligence, say, at a pretty granular level, like maybe the store level for a given SKU. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so much randomness in the data. There's a baseline. If you sell one item every other week, there's no way you're going to come up with a good daily forecast. And so there's clearly a, a limit. But then as, as we've talked about uh, last time, um, there are other variables that can be used. Rather than just trying to use machine learning on one variable, uh, there are other uh, variables that can be used as well. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between reality. You know, machine learning can help cars uh, avoid collisions, for example. Well, you'd think, well, if that's true, then why can't it forecast better at the store level? But there is a there is a base limit there. Yeah, I think that one thing, when I think about supply chain, uh, everybody talks a lot about forecast because forecast is, is, is usually the most uncertain thing that you have in terms of getting it ultra right because the production, if you tell something to produce, you usually get it produced in some shape or form. I think that one often overlooked uh, part of the, this equation is inventory, right? Where you're placing inventory so you can buffer those surprises from the supply chain that sometimes you're not going to be able to pick up uh, with the forecast. And as a result, I think that one of the interesting things is if you, if you think of, you know, early 2000s, you had SNOPs, which are like monthly, right? Now, I would say a good cadence would be like weekly, and you have like deployments that are happening on a, on a, daily, on a daily level. What you start seeing is if you have a, you know, the machines helping you balance inventory correctly and making, let's call last mile decisions or close to last mile decisions or where to position the inventory, given what you have in terms of consumption, you actually increase a lot the agility, you reduce inventory and improve service to customers because it's almost as if now you're planning to a forecast, but you're deploying to demand, right? And, and I think that in the past, this was difficult just because imagine, right? Any, any big company will have thousands and thousands of SKUs multiple distribution centers and having an army of people to manage these little details is really complicated. What's happening now is once technology is coming in, you're starting to have a situation that your forecast has a better quality, but will never be perfect. And that's okay. Right. And there are interesting things that if you think about COVID, uh, the amount of interesting ways that some companies did to increase forecast accuracy in the context of COVID right, and stores shut down, restaurants shut down, restaurants open up, you know, and so on and so forth. I think that it did increase the, the predictability of, of, of demand, but still you didn't get it right. So the question is to say, okay, assuming I'm not going to get it right, how can I position that inventory correctly? And when I position that, do I need to position that a month in advance where I know that my forecast will be wrong? So yes, I kind of have a plan, 
that will position that inventory. But then you make, you know, literally at the day or sometimes at the hour, but I would say at the day would be, would be a good solution. You know, you make a final adjustment based on how your network has actually consumed those products. And with that, you kind of, you know, now you have a way to almost mitigate that, those surprises that one month in advance you can see, but you can see next day. And we see that that has a lot of benefits, not only for products which are, you know, food products, beverage, and so on, but even in high fashion products and so on that are notoriously difficult to predict in a, in a, in a granular way. So if you think about SNOP, you know, SNOP is still used in a lot of companies. A lot of times transportation is not a part of it. Um, and now SOP, SNOP seems to be going to another level. Uh, are you seeing that as well? Oh, absolutely. I think that, again, in, in the minute that you start having a better way to plan downstream, right, the, the visibility of how many loads you're going to need and every node, right, with which reliability to which destinations, start, it start increasing substantially, which, of course, allows companies to get more accurate in their freight planning, you know, incur in, in fewer spot, spot charges and things like that because suddenly you don't have unexpected swings of demand that suddenly, you know, takes your plan a little bit off balance. So we do see that. But I think, like, like I said, it, it's still a journey for most companies, which is, I would say, you know, and, and the other part of supply chain is that it's very wide, right? Where to start for some companies, upstream, inbound is super important. For other companies, all that matters is outbound. So understanding where to start is always important. But uh, what we see is that over time, it will have each block of the supply chain having these optimizations. And I mean, just look at the conference today, like yeah. I said. Well, Ildefonso, we're out of time. So, but thank you so much for, for joining us today. My pleasure. Great Waves. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much.